All right, if you could just uh, help the remote reset it, I'm going to just connect again. So we have seven more books left. Uh, today, we're in the book of Habakkuk. 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 Yeah, that's probably how they say it. It's a very interesting name. Uh, who has ever read Habakkuk before? Okay, a couple people. It's only three chapters, so this is one of those books that you can feel really good. I read a book of the Bible, okay? So, uh, uh, okay. And the title of it today is Dear God. You know, so when we look through the book of Old Testaments, right, it's like we understand. It's been hard, right? I think there's been a repetitive uh, message from the Old Testament mentioning how bad we are, right, how fallen we are. But we're about to see, because right now, from the, if you remember a couple weeks ago, I talked about Ezekiel. It, we're in a pivotal time where Israel is going to receive its greatest punishment. Um, it's going to become exiled by the kingdom of Babylon, by the empire of Babylon. It's the worst experience the people of Israel has, has, has had a, as, a, as a nation. But that's the good thing is that we talked about how even in the rock bottom now from this point on, friends, not just because we're done with Old Testament or almost done, we just have seven more books left, but from now we're going to learn about how to come out of the darkness, how to rebuild what's broken. We're going to be talking from now on. It's going to get happier and happier. I promise you that, okay? Because the story isn't over. We're right now in the middle. We're in the place where everything is going to experience a turning point. Things that are unexpected, things that they were in the deepest hole, they were in the furthest place from God, but God works in the furthest and the deepest place, in the darkest place, and brings you out in victory. That is going to be our experience as we continue this journey through the scripture. You know, so I was talking, thinking about this Israel's final judgment, right? God waited 700 years for this punishment. He reminded them again and again, generation after generation, please stop Killing people, please stop sinning, stop doing wicked things. But the Israelites, they could not. And before they were uh, uh, being taken uh, into exile, already the northern kingdoms, as you know, have been taken. Now, even the southern kingdom, even the temple that Solomon uh, erected is going to become destroyed. You know, as I was thinking about that, these days, I don't know if you've been on uh, the same way, but have you guys been researching on Ukraine? Anybody? Maybe who has never known what Ukraine was, but now you know. Okay, yeah, we've got to be honest. Yeah, okay, thank you. And you're like, why are they fighting? Why is there a war going on? There's such a, such a deep history and such, so many uh, things that uh, are, are playing in, in this crisis that's happening. But I saw recently a testimony from a reporter who went into Ukraine just to kind of get a little bit more uh, story on the relationship of Russia and Ukraine. And he didn't know that two days after, uh, they started attacking. Because you guys know Russia didn't announce, hey, we're going to attack you. Get ready. Here's the bomb. No, it just happened. Right? So he got stuck. And what happens when millions of people try to flee a country that is, being, that is, that is about to start in a, in, in a war? Of course, you have massive traffic jam. Right? The airplanes were all, uh, they bombed the air, airports. Right? So you couldn't leave. So you had to find ways to go. And what happens when a million of people tries to leave a country? You cannot. Right? They, they had to go get gas. And just waiting for the gas at the gas station, people were, were running out of fuel. So what happens? Thousands of people started walking. And thankfully, this guy was, uh, I guess, lucky or fortunate because, you know, Kiev, I, don't, I hope I'm saying that right, Kiev, Kiev is in the center of Ukraine. Ukraine is one of the uh, second largest uh, European uh, country. But this guy was in Lviv, which is pretty close to the 
border of uh, the western border. So he and his, uh, all the people around him had to walk about 94 kilometers, which is about 60 miles, almost double a marathon. So 20 to 24 hours, give or take. Uh, you know, thankfully, it's not the uh, middle of winter. So anyways, they start walking. And you know, there's no toilet, no food, no water. Again, they didn't plan for this, right? In fact, they had to carry only what they had. And think about these people. This happened last week, right? That they were, they left everything they know, right? All of their belongings, all of their memories, all of their precious things, and they don't know if they're ever going to go back to it. That pain, that anger, that the sadness all together and the hunger and the, and the physical pain of this whole experience. So, and then as they were approaching the border, the Ukrainian army was stopping every man, 18 through 60, and conscripting them. Enlisting them to serve in the fight against Russia. So families were being separated. Uh, so it was a horrible, horrible uh, incident and crisis. So now, having understood that, you can now imagine a little better what this judgment, this punishment from God, this 600, uh, uh, 600 how do I say, collected, right? God, in his mercy, was saying, I will forgive you. If you turn from your ways, but they didn't. This 600 year of, of, of sin and judgment, you can imagine what this Israelites, they didn't have to walk 60 miles, they walked 700 miles. And by that point, they knew everything they had in Israel was gone. And they knew that at least for 70 years, they would not be able to return. So pretty much anybody that was alive at that time said, I'll never see my beautiful home again. And we're thankful that God is not a God who delights in judgment, but he's a just God, right? Uh, but he's giving us mercy every day, right, for us to say, okay, God, I don't want that. I don't want to live in a way where I'm sowing my own destruction. I want to learn how to live in a new way. So Habakkuk is another prophet who was uh, living right around maybe a, a decade or two before the Babylonian invasion took place. So um, Habakkuk is interesting because most of the prophets that we've read, I think I, I mentioned there was like 14 prophets out of the 39 or 17. But he's, he's different because this book actually is not a word from God through the prophet to the people, but it's a record of the prophet's conversation with God. So what it means is instead of Habakkuk delivering a word from God saying, people, the same message, turn from your evil ways. God is not happy with how you treat people. God is not happy how you're doing economics. God is saying, be fair. God is being, being justful, uh, being, being, uh, do justly. Stop oppressing the, the orphans and the widows and the, and, and the poor and the elderly in your, in, your, in your community. But instead of that, Habakkuk is a record of him talking directly to God. It's actually him venting to God. Okay, so we're going to see an exchange, unique exchange between God and his prophet. Kind of like Job, when Job asked questions, God responded. So here it is. In the book of Habakkuk, it starts out by um, Habakkuk bringing a, a charge to God. He says, how long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? I don't know if you ever felt like that, that you're, you're, you're asking God to do something, say something, but he's not, right? Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed. The justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Sounds like something we could say about Ukraine, something about, you know, pandemic. This is like really real. This is, a, this is an experience that many of us can talk about around the world at this time. 
See, what Habakkuk was saying this, this was before the Babylonians came and invaded. So he was talking about his own people. They were ripe for judgment, right? And Habakkuk is saying, God, just like you did in the old days, bring a judge. Raise up a righteous king. Deliver your people from sin. And Habakkuk is saying, why are you not answering? And this is how God responds. He says, look at the nations and watch. And be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told, I am raising up the Babylonians. And then Habakkuk's like, what? Babylonians? You mean the, probably the most corrupt people that exist on planet Earth? You are raising them up for what? And we know the purpose is that God allowed these Babylonians to thrive and become the number one power in the world. Why? So they could bring the judgment and the punishment that Israel deserves. So, very interesting. So then Habakkuk doesn't just end there. He continues the conversation. He says, Lord, are you not from everlasting? He's checking. Are you the God that, I, that we're talking about? My God, my Holy One. He's trying to say, remember God, you are holy, right? You will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? Now Habakkuk is pointing, is, is demanding God to answer and say, how can you take these treacherous people, these wicked people, and use them as your ordaining for punishment? So then God also gives Habakkuk an answer. Before I do that, I want you to understand that relationship that Habakkuk is, is showing to us is an invitation for all of us to also have honest and deep conversation with God. What's interesting about Habakkuk is this, this is written like it's back to back, but there was a waiting period. Habakkuk didn't quit. When he was asking God, why, why, he didn't just ask why and then go move on. He dwelt on it and he waited and waited and God trusted him and spoke back. This is what he said. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablet so that a herald may run with it. He's saying, Habakkuk, I am glad you asked. I'm going to show you what's going to happen in the future, and I want you to tell the people this vision. It says, for the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. God is saying it's going to happen. I'm going to tell you something that's not happening right now, but it's going to happen. Though it linger, again, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous will live by his faith. I will stop right there. If you continue reading, the Lord starts to list why. What it means is that in the appointed time, even though he allowed the Babylonians to become powerful and become somehow used by God to bring the physical punishment to the Israelites that he has been warning them and he has promised, he says, at the end, I'm going to bring Babylonian down. Because why? God is a just God. God is not saying, you know what, I'm going to just close my eyes and pretend like the Babylonians are, are holy. No, no, no. He's saying, yes, they're being used right now to do my purpose on, on, uh, accomplishing my word, but they will also become judged. But what's interesting here is on, on the last sentence, it says, see the enemies puffed up. God is saying, you know what? I am not happy with 
the way that Babylon is also suffering from the same root of sin, the cause of sin of pride. And so God's going to bring them down. But there's an interesting statement here that's in, uh, highlighted here. If you can read it together, let's read it together. It says, but the righteous will live by his faith, by his or her faith. Friends, this statement is such a powerful statement. In fact, three books in the New Testament refer to this, and I want to explore what it means to live by faith. What God is telling Habakkuk is saying this. Habakkuk, I want you to tell the people, you, it may be long for you, but I have, this, I have a, said it where Babylon will pay for all of their sin, right? Yes, they're being used right now to pay for the sins of the Israelites, but they're also going to pay. And it says, but in that waiting time, right, to the moment you want to see your nation be delivered again, it's going to take some time. But the people who will see it are the ones who live by his faith. What is the difference between a wish and a faith? It's very important here. In this discussion that Habakkuk has with God, it highlights to us what we need to be righteous and living by faith. The difference in wish and a faith is this. A wish simply comes is something that arises from your own heart. A wish has an origin within your own desire. And if you're an optimistic person, you may have a big wish. If you're a little pessimistic, if you're a little jaded about life, your wish will be, you know, manageable, right? We all have wishes. But the difference is faith, it doesn't come from within us. It comes from the basis of God's promise. So what Habakkuk is experiencing right now, before Babylon was, this, was, was invading his people, he saw two things. He saw the righteous judgment of God that God said, I'm going to use Babylon to destroy and to punish Israel. And then he says, in much later time, I am promising to destroy Babylon, make them pay for all of their wickedness, and I'm going to deliver Israel and make it new. So you understand the difference? Faith does not come, many people think that faith is simply about believing, right? So I believe God will do this. I believe God will, God will do this. God, I believe you will do it. That's kind of true, but where does this come from? Is it your wish or does it come from God's promise, okay? That's the biggest difference. Faith has power to change your life because it originates from the promise of God, when that statement says, but the righteous will live by his faith, that word faith in the Hebrew is emunah, which is the same meaning for faithfulness. When we say amen, right, have you guys ever wondered who made amen? It's kind of like the word aloha. It can mean a lot of things. Like you can say aloha, 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 and then I just said three different things, right? But when you live by faith, emunah, it means that you are, we will live by your faith in God's faithfulness. Let me explain this way. It's, it's faith is being faithful to God's faithfulness regarding his own promise. If God was not faithful, there's no power. Your faith is just empty. But because God is faithful to his promises, we live by being trusting God that he is faithful, and I will be faithful to believe in that he is faithful to do what he says. Again, it originates from God's promises. God's promises. So in this discussion with Habakkuk and God, Habakkuk, as you can see, had a, had a, was angry at God, was, was questioning God. But at the end, God says to Habakkuk, I know you don't see it right now, Habakkuk, but can you believe that I will keep my word? We'll see how he, how, how he ends his discussion. So again, one of the things that God promises is that the world is going to see that I am righteous God. 
See, something that Habakkuk and you know, people, when you're in the middle of it, you might not know, but God is always working, his, working with his people to show to the world his goodness and his righteousness. We, we understand that Israel was chosen out of all the nations to demonstrate who God is. And now you and I, we are now God's people and God's nation. And through each one, each one of us, we are to show the world who God is through Jesus Christ. Habakkuk 2.14, this is the revelation he got. It's, God said, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is God's end game. When he's doing it, it doesn't make sense because can we believe that God is even right now allowing Russia, right? Because if God wanted to stop Russia, he can do it. He could just say, Putin, stop breathing for 10 hours, and he's done. But why is God allowing it? Because we don't know. I don't know. Do you know the whole truth? Not even the news media. Not even any one person knows. This is too big to understand. But God, in his, in his whole view of the history of mankind, can you trust that he's working all things for the glory of his name, which means for the benefit of his people, for those who choose, like him, to be righteous, to do what is good. So in the end, just like God allowed Pharaoh to harden his heart, to become, uh, to be resistant against Moses. At the end, he could have let them go after one plague, but he, he fought through the 10 plagues. Eventually, they had an utter destruction, and the whole world feared who Yahweh is, and they started to follow his ways. In the same way, even through this horrible incident of Babylon destroying Israel, God is saying, they're going to know my righteousness. They're going to know what is good and what is not. Those who live by faith will see that he is good. But those, many, I've seen many people who, who think they're living by faith, but they're living by wish. They just imagine what God is like. They think this is who God is, and they say, I believe in that. So many times you're worshiping Jesus, but you're worshiping your version of Jesus that is not based on anything that is true. And many of those people, because they believed in what they wanted and they asked for what they wanted and didn't get it, they got offended and they left God, but they never knew God. But the truth that God is revealing to Habakkuk and to us is that I am good more than anything in this world. If you can trust me, I will show you how I'm going to do what is right. So in the passage that we read today, this is finally Habakkuk's conclusion and understanding. He is now uh, uh, divinely reporting what he's seeing in the vision. This is him describing what God is going to do. It says, God, in wrath, you, God, strode through the earth, and in anger, you threshed the nations. All the nations that were uh, evil. Imagine how evil. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, uh, <laughs> this picture, but right now, Putin, I mean, he, he, God bless his heart, but he is in for a big punishment from God. I mean, that guy, like, even the whole nation hates him, but he's created a system where everyone's so afraid of him. He had all of his counselors sit down, and one by one on live TV, he had to, they had to come out and say, President Putin, I support your plan. And anything they said, he just shut him down, and nobody could tell him, President Putin, this is a horrible idea. You're going to lose, right? So anyways, he's going he's gonna to get it, right? Because God, again, he sees wickedness. He's not going to let sin and evil just go on. 
punished, right? So you came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear, you pierced his head. When his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. Friends, you can take that to the bank. Any enemy that stands in the way of you, the Lord says, you know what? If you trust me, if you believe in my promises and you live by faithfulness to my faithfulness to do what I promised, then I will show you my power and I will destroy your enemy. Therefore, conclusion, Habakkuk, after this month-long month long, conversation with God, he gets this peace and he says, yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. He gets peace because he realizes, wow, even though it doesn't seem like it, God is good, right? I can trust in his faithfulness to do what he promised. If God didn't promise, then there's nothing to believe about. But because of his promise, Habakkuk rejoices. And the passage we read ends like this. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, it means everything you hope for, everything you work for, because those things take a lot of time, a lot of effort. It costs money. It takes time. It takes your life. Everything you devoted, you're like, it didn't happen, right? Though the olive crop fails, imagine that. You did all the work, and you collected, and then they failed, and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, what it says? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. Habakkuk sounds something like New Testament person. He sounds like somebody who knew Jesus because this is a reality. He's saying that I'm going to rejoice even when I see nothing but something like hell around my life. It seems like nothing's going right, but I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. Why? Is it just his wish? Is it just his possible thinking? Is it just him shutting down, ignoring? No, he is focusing on what? The promise of God. He was living by faith, faithfully. He says, no, 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 no. I know what the situation says, but I trust in the Lord. It says, I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. So even though the situation did not help him at all, he had a different source of power. This is the power of faith. So today I want to help you guys to maybe perhaps root yourself again. You know, take away your wishes, right? I, your wishes, you might think, are so amazing. You just wish this would happen. But I promise you, the faith, when you have faith in God, it is much greater than anything you can wish for or dream of. This is, this is true. I've met hundreds and thousands of Christians. And the people who have left the faith, who have failed, who have become bitter and dark, those are the people who never worked in faith because they never knew God's promise. But the people who lived in faith, they, their circumstances might not have seemed the best, but they eventually saw the greater victory in Jesus. So choose faith today. And I want to tell you guys, ask you this, this question today. Do you have faith in what God said? Do you trust him as a faithful God or is he a weak God? You have to make that decision today. And you have to ask yourself, do you keep do you trust in God's faithfulness to keep his promises, promises of God? How many promises are there in the Bible from God to us? Do you, does anybody know? Can someone try to guess? Total from Old Testament to New Testament. If you get it right, um, I will buy you sushi lunch. Close. Who? Okay, just go ahead. Just say a number in the Bible. 
You're Googling? Oh, never mind. <laughs> okay. 8,000, okay? In the Bible, there are 8,000 promises, but how many do you know? Maybe two or three? So your faith cannot, you cannot live by faith if you don't know what you are being faithful to hold onto. So increasing your, how do I say, experience, receiving, just like Habakkuk, before he had this conversation, prayer time, he was bitter. He was about to just give it up. He was about to say, God, I leave you. I don't believe in you. You're wrong. I'm right. See you later. But because he waited and asked the Lord, God gave him a promise. And that promise allowed him to see things differently, and he came out victorious. That should be our daily experience, right? Because daily, our, our experience around the world, it's not good, and it's going to get worse. It is. But if you know the promise of God, you're going to get stronger. You're going to become more thankful. That's been my experience in the last, especially in the last month or so. God's promise has been so much sweeter than ever before. So I want to teach you guys, how can I get the promises of God? Here are the main three ways, okay? Principles, printed, and prompted. I just had to find words that go with P so you can remember, okay? What do I mean by principles? In the Bible, sometimes it doesn't say, hey, this is my promise, do this and do this. In fact, it's in a teaching, it's in a story, and you have to kind of glean the principles that allow God to work in your life. For example... A simple one is this. This you might know. You might not know this as a promise, but it's a principle. God says, give and it shall be given to you in the measure you give it. It's a principle. It's not just important for you to be generous, but to be generous in a great way. If you want to be rich and powerful and influential, and if you want to be somebody who leads people, influence, impacts people, and you want to have resources, you got to give. Apostle Paul, remember, he, he, when he was, well, no, Apostle, yeah, Paul, when he was about to be commissioned by the church, the church told him, hey, remember this. It, give, remember the poor, and remember, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That's a principle, right? If you take that principle, understand it, and you're generous, and you sow, and you are the first one to give, then God says, aha, I have a promise for you. In the great measure you gave it, I'm going to give it to you. And he says, pressed down and shaken together, running over. So you can either trust in God in this principle and live in this principle, or you can say, no, 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 no. I don't trust God. I'm going to trust my own faithfulness to money. I'm going to manage money in the way that I want it, right? Another one, how can you be great in life? It's through serving, right? The servant of all is the one who is the greatest, right? And also, forgive and you shall be forgiven. You can't, the one thing that God cannot forgive you of is unforgiveness. I'm just mentioning some of the principles that should rule your life. These are the things in your heart that if you want to see the goodness of God in your life, these principles see, uh, bring the promises of God to be true in your life. What are some of the printed ones? What I mean by printed is, as David uh, saw our, our presider mention, the Bible that you hold, there are promises in there that are printed. Some of the principal things you have to kind of de decode and you have to kind of like deduce, right? But there are simple things in the Bible that are promise of God that you can take to the bank and you can say, God, you said it, therefore you do it, right? You can have that courage. For example, Romans 10 verse 9 says, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved, right? Everyone, right? Simply believing Jesus is Lord, meaning he is God. And believe in your heart that, yeah, God raised him from the dead. 
and the, the, and the work of the Holy Spirit is moving inside of you. Another one here in Acts 2, it says, Peter replied, repent, change your mind, right? No longer live by your own wishes, live by your own desires, live by your own effort, but trust in God's promises. And it says, be baptized, make a decision. Baptism is a de declaration declaration that you make publicly of your faith it says every one of you in the name of jesus christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the holy spirit the promise for you and for your children and for all who are far off for all whom the lord our god will call again it's open to all who are willing to receive so again those are the things that are printed that as you go through your life you can maybe remember. But here is the final one that I really like. What does it mean, promises that are prompted? What's a prompter? It's something that's happening live, right? It's something that is spoken. It's not something recorded. It's something that's happening in real time. What this means is this, guys. As Pastor Nathan talked about last week, the most successful way you can be in life is to have a place, develop a place, secret place in your heart where you can hear God and obey. There are promises of God that God speaks that are not in the Bible, that are not principles in, in the scripture, but it's personal to you. And when you live by faith, like Habakkuk, right? Habakkuk, what he listened from uh, the, the Lord in this book, nobody else heard it. But God trusted Habakkuk, gave him a specific word. And so there's something God does right now. There's 8,000 uh, promises in the Bible, but that's not how many there are in the world. Right now, God is speaking promises into each and every one of you that as you are seeking him. Lord, what college should I go to? Have you waited to hear his word? Lord, who should I marry? Well, that's a little bit, you know, complicated. He doesn't always spell it out. He just kind of like says this direction, you know, and you, you just kind of go. But there are things that the promise of God, to live by faith does not mean just read the scripture. It does not mean just figure out how to be spiritual, but it means have a relationship with God where the Holy Spirit is prompting new words of God. So that's why even though the world is going to hell or hell is breaking out, I'm just using the word hell as just a, just a level of uh, incredulous evil that is happening in the world, still you can listen to the voice of God that's prompting you, this is my promise. We need this every day. This is the word, this is the bread of God that, God, God that Jesus was talking about. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word spoken from the mouth of God. Right now, there's promise God coming from his mouth into your heart. If you miss it, you will not live by faith. You will fail. That's why as we sang the song, draw me closer, right? Closer, I want to go deeper. I want to know your love. I want to know your heart. That has to be our prayer. God, speak to me. Prompt me your promise. I want to know what's next in my life. I know what you did in the Bible, but I want it for me. Just like Habakkuk, he had a personal experience with God. That is allowed. You're invited to that relationship. Here is an awesome verse, a reminder Paul gives us. It says, for no matter how many promises God has made, 8,000 plus 8 billion and counting, they are yes in Christ. Jesus did something for you that even though you don't deserve it, through Jesus, you do. Every promise of God in Christ is yes. Yes. And so through him, through Jesus, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So we say God is, again, right? The promise to Habakkuk wasn't just, I'm going to defeat the enemy. No, I'm going to let them 
hurt you first, right? And you can say, yes, even the trials, even the hardship, the suffering, I say, yes, because why? I know the next promise is redemption and greater influence. He knows how to, even the verse we read today, Psalm 23, even though through the valley of the shadow of death, why did you have to go through the valley of the shadow of death? Why didn't the shepherd just lead you the long way around? No, no, no. There's something in the valley that you have to experience that you come out of that, not a sheep, but you come out of that a lion, right? So, so we say yes to all of God's promises. And now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. We, he anointed us to set his seal upon, of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. That's why it's fun to follow Jesus. He's not an old God. He's a God who's always pointing the promise of what is to come. And you know what's amazing is when you do live by faith, he proves himself. What Habakkuk received, he just took it by faith. He didn't see. He was still 20 years away from the invasion. He was 90 years away from the moment Babylon would fall. But in that moment, he realized, ah, I can be at rest. And he went back and he, and he had a party with his friends. Today, we're going to remember perhaps one of the most important promises that God gave to us, what he did on the cross for us. Through what he did on the cross, everything that God says, there's a promise he makes in Romans 8, 28. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Loving is being faithful, right? Love is faithfulness, right? For all of us who say, God, I still love you. God says, I'm going to work it all for your good. Don't quit. Be faithful to that. And then he showed us on the cross how desperately and how serious he was about making sure Good comes to your life through what he has done. So I want to invite us, you know, before we go to the table today to dine with Christ. Did you know that the Lord, as I mentioned before, what he's seeing at the end, he's not seeing darkness. The world will keep preaching to you saying, the world's getting darker. The, the, the gas price, what's the gas price right now? Five. It was $4 something three days ago. Okay, so the it's going to, you know, the world's going to go crazy, okay? But even in the midst of that, God is saying, no, 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 follow me. There's a party coming. Revelation, the end of the world is not a scary time. It's a great, amazing time where God's going to reveal his full power and every evil, every wickedness, every wrong thing, every, every broken thing, he will be saying no more and it will be complete salvation. Jesus says this in Matthew 26, 29. After he did hold his, uh, the supper that we're going to experience again, he says, I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Or he says, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Meaning God right now, what he's looking for is joy. And the way that we can find that celebration every day in our life is to say, yes, I see the bankruptcy. Yes, I see the, 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 the death of, of people that I love. Yes, I see the injury. Yes, I see cancer. Yes, I see, uh, you know, uh, gosh, breakups, right? What, what, whatever horrible things that you're experiencing, but you're saying, even then, I know of God's promises for me that are personal to me. I will rejoice and I will say thank you. That is what it means to live by faith. The righteous will live by faith, not based on your hopes, but it's based on the promise of what Jesus has made. And I want us to invite us to a moment today. As the praise team comes up, we're going to take a moment to remember perhaps the greatest promise God gave us. But we're going to 
do more than just remember. We're going to say, God, I want you to show me your power right now where we are. Let's pray together. So God, just like Habakkuk, we are not afraid to go straight at you with our worries and anxieties and our fears and say, why? We're going to question you, God. We're going to say, how are you going to do it? We're going to say, Lord, I don't like this. We're going to cry to you. We're going to complain. We're going to do it all. But we are also going to listen to you. Because, God, we need your promise to be reminded in us so we can have faith and be faithful. We don't want to lose the path. You are too valuable to lose. Lord, Lord, we would trade this life. I would die, Lord, so I can have you. You're more valuable to my life because you are my life. Lord, if that is a confession to any person in this room, I pray that, Lord, you will give them a joy and a power that overcomes this world. In fact, I say the truth of God says you have overcome. Jesus, you already said it is finished. Lord, I want to declare for those of us who have lost our hope and our faith in God, We've lost, we don't remember the promise of God. I say to you, the Lord says, your suffering is done. Come, remember me. Remember yourself to my life. God, we want to return today. We want to say thank you, Jesus. Before we go to the table of the Lord, let's sing this song. Just focusing our eyes on Jesus. Allowing the Lord to build new life again it's time to rebuild it's time to build better than before not based on my goodness but simply on the promises of God listen to this